Hello and welcome to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for tuning in to us here, 4 o'clock hour here on Thursday, here on Dollars and Cents. Appreciate so much you taking the time to do it. If, you, if you're a nine to fiver, uh, let's, let me do the quick math here. I'm looking at 53 minutes and 21 seconds. You got to keep going with us. Happy that you tuned us in though, to get us to the finish line here on dollars and cents as we're talking about all things financial, economic, having to do with things that are happening around us here. What is it that you're seeing on your headlines? And what is it that, that you may need to keep in mind here as you're looking, especially at the end of the calendar year, we're going to be talking a lot about that here on this week's version of Dollars and Cents, about what are those kinds of things that may be calendar specific. You want to make sure that you're keeping on your radar screen to make sure that you address them here in the next couple of weeks, even as the holiday season is in front of us here. If you'd like to give us a call here in the studio, perhaps there's a particular subject that you have on your radar screen, or if there's something that you think is... Big on the headlines you'd like for us to talk about here. I can't promise you we're going to get it on, but I promise you if we can't get it on today, we're going to get it on a subsequent show to make sure that we address it. want to make sure always that what we're talking about here is relevant to you. 844-STUDIO-4, that's 844-788-3464. Again, 844-788-3464 here in the studio if you'd like to give us a buzz. But I appreciate so much you tuning in to us here on the 4 o'clock hour uh, $4.00. All right, you know us. We're going to get right into it. Uh, what's hot? Uh, I, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, we got we got so many things that are going on here this week relative to what's hot, what's on your headlines, those kinds of things which are going to be impacting you from an economic and financial standpoint. And I and I must I mean, I mean we we, we talk a lot about food on here and uh, and I'm not gonna lie to you, we're probably gonna talk about, I don't know, Christmas cookies and uh, and maybe hot chocolate and other things that we are. No, seriously. I know we're going to tie it in financially and economically here. We're going to be talking about that, but maybe, maybe not to start. All right. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to give you the dry white toast first, and then we're going to get into the juicy stuff a little bit later on, but the federal reserve this week, all right, the Federal Reserve this week met for their final scheduled meeting of the year uh, just literally yesterday as of the time of this live broadcast or as of the time of this recording, if you happen to be listening to the podcast end of things. They literally just met yesterday. And as was, let's call it semi-widely expected, uh, I mean, meaning that were probably were some notable divisions on both sides, semi-widely expected, they did not adjust uh, lending rates or the overnight lending rate, which is really what the Federal Reserve adjusts. It has subsequent impacts on a number of uh, other lending instruments, but let's just talk about that relative to the Federal Reserve not adjusting interest rates as of their meeting yesterday. Again, not completely unexpected. There was some betting on both sides of things, certainly with regards to the futures markets, but definitely did not get into... um, Let's let, let's call it a completely unexpected mode there as far as not adjusting the interest rate. Now, if you're tracking, if you, if you have your monopoly board, a Federal Reserve monopoly board at home, I hope you don't. I hope you don't have a monopoly board at home that has to do with the Federal Reserve. But if you might be a little bit off kilter like uh, like I am when it comes to these kinds of things, uh, I do mark uh, July was the last time that we had a uh, an increase in the overnight lending rate from the Federal Reserve, and uh, and we have not had one now since July. So what does that mean? 
And, and I mean that quite literally with a with a, an intentional pause there so that uh, you, you hear what we're talking about. Uh, what, what does that mean, that the fact that the Federal Reserve now has not raised rates since July? Well, there's no legitimate way to be able to uh, exactly determine what that means. Every meeting is a new occurrence. Every meeting has different factors associated with it uh, that the Federal Reserve Board of Governors is taking into account when we're looking at that kind of thing. But what, what, what does it mean? And we have the benefit of history. Right, we have the benefit of being able to to look back and to see how they've moved in in other courses of action, and to say, well, what does that mean in terms of what we can expect going forward? Because that's really what matters most, especially when we're talking about the financial world, the markets, you know, what the markets are anticipating. And I'll tell you that that relative to what the futures markets are saying, certainly with regards to what the stock markets are saying right now, in in terms of their, let's say. Um, Oh, exuberance! I, I I don't know, producer Bill. I'm exuberant. It's Christmas season. I'm exuberant. I, I I'm I'm ready for the for the big guy in the red and white suit to uh, to show up. I don't know about you. Eleven days. Eleven. I'm not excited. I, I'm very excited. <laughs> I, I am 11 days, which means I have exactly 10 and a half days to finish up my Christmas shopping. Is that correct, what you're saying? Correct. Yeah. Goodness gracious. This seems like a good weekend to get it done. It's uh, Well, I don't know. I still have double digits right now. 10 and a half still has double digits associated with it uh, in terms of the days before Christmas. So I still have plenty of time. Yeah, I have to train myself, though. I, I lack See, the discipline. Yeah, well, I have you, to be up against the wall. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I do as well. Although, interestingly enough, sidebar, completely sidebar from the Federal Reserve here. I, I saw something interesting on one of the business news programs here. I think it was in the last day or so where they're actually warning and, I, and I'll use the word warning. They're actually warning customers who do things like I do, which is wait until the absolute 911 call last minute, you can get it here in four hours uh, kind of ordering process. And they were actually coming out and saying, please don't do that. Uh, meaning you got to have several days in advance. <laughs> if, if you want us to promise to get it there, uh, you, we, you actually have to have several days. I mean, some of them were like December 16, December 18. Uh, your eyes look like my thoughts. I, I was thinking the exact same. What do you, what do you mean? I mean, can, can I go into any store or, or, or call you four hours ahead of time on Christmas Eve? And, right. I'll, I'll just be hoping that those rules are for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, of course, on Christmas Day, I will blame. Uh, somebody else because correct, that, that, correct. That, that, that's what I'll do. Like, look, I, I, I did this. I planned for it six hours ago uh, <laughs> for, for it to arrive here. It hasn't. Um, blame, blame UPS, exactly. FedEx, Amazon, <laughs> right. any, anybody that I can, of course. Uh, but that's, you know, un, unfortunately for us, horrific procrastinators and, and producer Bill is just being kind. He's not that way. I am uh, with, uh, with, with regards to that. Uh, we're, we're having fewer and fewer outlets uh, to, uh, to be able to do that. So uh, it's, it, it's, going to come down to crunch time. I, I, I don't doubt it at all. So anyhow, Federal Reserve in, in looking at it. So, so what does that mean for us in terms of what's going forward? We're going to talk about that in the second, second segment as well in terms of what's hot, what's out there in front of us, because it does have real and material impact in terms of what we can expect going forward. I mean, every, literally everything we're talking about in terms of what you're going to earn on your money markets and your CDs to what is the cost of a mortgage? What is the cost of a line of credit? What is the cost of a car loan? All of those kinds of things. And you keep backing down the line. It impacts rents. It impacts leases. It impacts other uh, forms of financing instruments. We're going to be seeing a lot that is impacted by this because in addition to the fact that we're, we're um, okay, I'll give it to you. We're probably at the end of the raising cycle insofar as this particular raising cycle is concerned. Now, of course, and this is where we go as a market. Now, of course, folks are looking at, okay, what does that mean when they're going to cut? 
literally. I mean, I, and that's that's not uncommon. I mean, we we, we think about that in in a, in a little bit of a uh, of a disconnect. Well, we just got done raising rates. How come we're going to start cutting them? I know it's a little bit crazy, but that's where the markets go. And so then, as you're looking forward, then so what if the the Federal Reserve begins to cut rates within the next six, nine, twelve months? What will that mean for the overall markets? What will that mean for the equity markets? What will that mean for the bond markets, the real estate markets? What will that mean in terms of financing costs? Does that mean that the cost of financing is going to be dropping significantly uh, here over the over the next uh, over over the next several months or into the next year or so? Uh, I'll give you a terrible answer. I don't know. None of us do. We're going to have to wait and see as we get into that season, as we get into that space where uh, they're going to be moving into that. And certainly we're going to be watching it and we're going to be bringing it to you as we see it happening. So, all right, it's a little bit of a teaser. I want you to hang around. Thank you so much for being with us here on Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial here on WSIC News Talk Now. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the, yeah, exactly, second quarter football reference. It, it is, I mean, it, it is the most joyful time of the year for many folks when we're talking about the holiday season and Thanksgiving, which kind of just blends into Christmas. And then at that, I mean, you can't even take a, a short nap and you're in New Year's. So it is, it is the holiday season, but it's football season, producer Bill. And um, I, I'm I'm going to move on quickly from, uh, from 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 our Carolina Panthers and uh, and, and say that we have we have multiple opportunities ahead of us uh, as uh, as as the Carolina Panthers in terms of uh, w- ways in which we can uh, what did the Japanese call it there in the 80s uh, continuous improvement we we have we have some opportunities for continuous improvement. Uh, as uh, as 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 our Panthers, would you agree or disagree or where? No, I, I definitely yeah. agree with you. Got okay. got to put it on tape. Yeah. Just put some on good tape. That's what we're here for. You know, and 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 I think that's important because you know it's every every week is an opportunity. Correct. Right. So so we always have something in front of us that that we can do better. We always have the opportunity for us to be able to achieve whether we're. Unfortunately, if we're auditioning for uh, for next year, next week, other teams, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, at uh, at this point, uh, it's uh, but we but we always have opportunity. Glass always half full, and yep. uh, and and we're looking forward to. We're gonna give good tape. Good 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 tape. See that 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 sounds like a professional <laughs> athlete. You don't know that about uh, producer Bill. He literally was a professional athlete, and uh, so he knows what he's describing here. But also, if you're a college football fan, I mean, this is I mean, it is it's fun. Right, I mean, especially if your team, your quote, your team is in it in any sort of bowl season uh, kind of experience. I mean, it is uh, it it is fun unless you're the Florida State Seminoles, right? Uh, and I know that hurts. I I know I know for you Florida State fans, I've had too soon. Uh, it too is too, soon. It, 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 it is too soon. <laughs> It'll right? be too soon for a while. It'll be too soon for for for, for literally the, uh, the probably for a year or two uh, that that it was. But outside of the Seminole fans, there it is a wonderful time of the year for uh, for college football as well. But I appreciate it so much hanging with us into the second quarter here on Dollars and Cents. You know me. We're going to talk food and football and maybe even sprinkle in a little bit about financials and economics here on Dollars and Cents. It's that time of the year. But let, let's let's stay with it. I was talking a little bit about the Federal Reserve, and I know that's not the most riveting conversation. I don't blame you uh, relative to what's happening around us, but it has so much impact in terms of everything in, to we, that we touch from a financial standpoint. That's why we spend so much time talking about it here. And uh, and the fact that the Federal Reserve, by 
I would say semi-reasonable measures and uh, assumptions. When I say semi-reasonable, nothing's real until it's real in my end of the world. But semi-reasonable measures and assumptions that we are at the end of the raising cycle. And, uh, and not just because we're, we're five and a half months-ish uh, beyond the last uh, raise there in July, but also in terms of what they said uh, here in their minutes and specifically in the, in the conversation that Fed Chair Jerome Powell uh, relayed at the end of their meeting yesterday as of the time of this live broadcast or as of the time of this recording. And, and it was an indication, which is a little bit unusual. For the Federal Reserve, it, it really is because they, they talk cryptically, intentionally, right? They don't want to manipulate the markets uh, too much, or at least not uh, completely unnaturally, as they're relaying things about uh, about their meetings, or or to be able to, uh, let's say, shapeshift their thoughts before uh, they they have all of the variables, or at least as many of the variables that they can in front of them. But one of the things that I thought was very interesting, and this is what I want to share with you here, uh, here on the in the second segment. One of the most significant things that I, that I heard from what was shared yesterday is that the Federal Reserve was, let's say, more indicative than I anticipated. Is that is that politically correct enough? Sure. Okay. Well, we're going to leave it there. More indicative than I than I would have anticipated about how many cuts they were going to make next year. And I say that because we still have so much ahead of us right now in terms of understanding what actually the raises mean. And you don't you don't have to believe me. Go go back and look at our history. Generally speaking, with an economy of our size, we need to get six to twelve months in front of a raise cycle to understand truly what the impacts are to us as an economy overall. We're too big. We, we are. And, and things don't just, you know, we're the, we're the proverbial Titanic in terms of moving uh, relative to significant um, uh, repositioning from an economic standpoint. We just don't, we just don't have that happen overnight. And so when there was an indication given by the Federal Reserve through uh, Chairman Powell's comments yesterday that there was going to be uh, upwards of three rate cuts next year, uh, this is just me, me, me casual and my commentary. So completely subjective at this point. I thought that was way out over the skis, way out. And that, that was proverb as well. It's, it's wintertime. So if, you, if you're one who's around snow, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but way out over the skis in terms of saying, well, this is what we anticipate is going to happen for the next year. We still don't know what's going to happen as a result of the hikes at this point. So I was, I was a little bit well, I'm surprised, maybe concerned that there was an indication that that was going to happen. And uh, let me say it this way. Is it possible, is it likely, you, you can make your own commentary at this point, that the Federal Reserve is going to adjust rates next year, next year being calendar year 2024? I don't think that's unreasonable when we're looking at what's ahead of us here, especially with the cycle out of which we have just come, if we can assume that it ended here back in July. I don't think that's unreasonable to do that. To be able to peg that it's going to be in the three range as far as adjustments are concerned, Again, maybe out over over our skis a little bit, but uh, but I think what's important is, or at least what I took from that in in terms of a projection planning standpoint for what we anticipate for 2024 is that the, the Fed at this point, the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, appears to be from where they sit at the end of their raising cycle. So generally speaking, six, nine, twelve months after the end of the raising cycle, they do begin to look at ways in which they can cut rates. Couple that with the fact that we're going to have a presidential election uh, season. We're already in it. What am I saying? I mean, that we're going to have. We're already in it at this point. We're go we are in and will continue to be in a very intensive presidential election season. There is going to be what I would anticipate a geometric amount of pressure on the Federal Reserve to drop rates next year. 
I, I just do believe that that's going to be the case. Historically speaking, that tends to be the case. And I would expect in the short run, you can, you can define short in whatever ways that you want, uh, in the short run that the equity markets are going to see that in the positive. Now, does that mean that 2024 is going to be great overall? Nope, not saying that. Actually, when you look at the, the law of averages here, the fact that we have just come out of a, um, well, now actually across the board, I was going to say that we were in pieces, but now across the board, a double-digit positive performance for most of our popular indices. I'm looking at the DGIA, the Dow Jones Industrial Average. I'm looking at the S&P 500 Index. I'm looking at the NASDAQ Composite, all of them in double-digit in the positives right now. So when I look at that, arguably, and especially from an historical context, I wouldn't anticipate that that's going to happen next year in 2024. So, uh, so when we look at that, and then in the context of, the, of perhaps the possibility that the Federal Reserve is going to stop or start dropping rates next year, does that mean we could be back to back in terms of positive performance? Maybe. Uh, that, that certainly is a, a, a possibility, but I think planning for that would be unnatural because there are a whole bunch, a whole bunch of unknown variables yet to be placed into that algorithm that we don't know today and for which we can plan very little. There are geopolitical concerns. There are unknowns as far as economic shifts, positive and negative, for which we can't really legitimately price today because we don't have awareness and understanding of how things may matriculate. We're still in the Christmas retail season here. You've heard me talk a lot about that in terms of what that is, um, meaning in, in the variable, in the algorithm, in terms of how that means the consumer is participating in the growth or non-growth in our economy because, as you remember, I know you hear me say this all the time, can't forget about it. The consumer, two-thirds, the three-quarters of our overall GDP, we are a consumer-based economy. We move basically as the consumer moves. So at this point, I would call it lukewarm. We started out hot, especially online. Uh, and then, you know, there's there, there's there's a very easy, easily understood aspect of that whenever we're moving into that kind of space where you know, there's a lot of exuberance, right? Shopping season. Does that last through the 45, 60, 75 days uh, relative to the shopping season? At least, at least at this point, it doesn't appear so. And it doesn't mean that the consumer is disappearing, just not at the, they're not buying at the same intensity or at the growth intensity that we have seen in previous cycles. So that's important. We've talked about this on previous uh, dollars and cents shows here where we're talking about, okay, what is, where's the consumer? Because at a certain point, the music stops. It does. And, and that's not for me to say that I, I don't see things are going to crash. I don't see things are going to be in a miserable economic space by any stretch. But at a certain point, when we have rising rents, we have student loans coming back online. It's more expensive to finance a car. It's more expensive to finance any mortgage, a line of credit, business expansion, anything that's out it, go to the grocery store, the gas pump, everything is more expensive. At a certain point, the music has to stop or at least get a lot quieter from where it is right now. That's really where we're wanting folks to be aware. Again, not, not that we're seeing the kinds of things that would indicate because we still have really low unemployment. We still have a very robust spending structure here in the United States, meaning that folks like to spend, especially on the new shiny thing. Uh, so we, we have folks who are encouraged and, and, and invigorated by that kind of thing. But what we are saying is that at a certain point, the resources run out or, or, or they at least become significantly less where the ability you know, apart from the desire, the ability to be able to do that becomes significantly reduced. 
And that's really where we're wanting folks to be aware because that will eventually have a trickle-down effect. That will eventually have a, have a push into spaces where folks, regardless of their desire, regardless of their wanting to pursue certain things, just don't have the resources anymore to do it. And that's what we're watching. That's where we're, we're wanting to see the pivot. And we're starting to see that. We're starting to see that in terms of, you know, we're starting to get some flattening in, in apartment rents. We're starting to uh, see inventories for car manufacturing manufacturers start to increase because the buying intensity, the fervor that was around here in uh, in the early part, especially if the COVID pan uh, pandemic was uh, was off the charts, we're, we're seeing that start to lessen uh, in significant ways. So we're watching those kinds of things because that really is going to be a big deal. All right, literally, I'm going to take a breath, uh, take a deep breath here as uh, we're going to take a moment to hear from our sponsors. Appreciate so much you hanging with us here on Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. Hang with us into the second half as we come back here on WSIC News Talk Now. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the second half football reference here on Dollars and Cents. Appreciate so much you hanging with us here. If you'd like to give us a call in the studio, perhaps something's hitting your radar screen, either either literally or figuratively with regards to the financial universe. Perhaps you're seeing something in the markets, even economically. We're looking at stuff literally globally around the world about what's happening and trying to understand in the best ways that we can how it's impacting us. Love to hear from you. Love to chat with you. May or may not be able to get to you exactly here on this week's version of Dollars and Cents, but if we don't, make sure you leave your uh, your thoughts and your ideas with producer Bill. He will make sure that he gets it over to me, and I'll make sure that I address it in future shows here. 844-STUDIO-4, that's 844-788-3464. That's 844-788-3464. I know you got to actually dial the numbers. It's a big deal in this day and age. I mean, I don't, I don't take that lightly because, I mean, we live in an age where, I mean, dial, dialing a phone number, we don't even dial a phone number anymore. I mean, literally, we don't, right? I mean, people, you know, with my lack of hair and what remains very graying on top of my head, I mean, we actually did. I mean, we called it dialing a phone because you actually had to move your fingers around. Yeah, literally, Producer Bill, you had to you had to move your fingers around. Now those are museum pieces. I mean, people look at them and point at them and say, that's the way it used to be. Now we just touch, you know, touch items on a screen. And, uh, and it's not even buttons. We don't, there aren't even buttons anymore. Now it's just a screen that has these these figurines on them. We don't even question it. I mean, we don't. I mean, it's just just, just a way... We to, just I mean, trust it. I mean, I, <laughs> We just trust it. I mean, I mean, admittedly, I, I do that as well. So when I'm dialing something, it's not like I'm actually depressing a button or or moving my fingers around a rotary dial here if you're watching on the socials. I mean, I, I just look at this little machination on my screen and it works. Uh, and and let's, let's... Full disclosure, I sometimes don't even dial it. Sometimes I tell Siri, and you all know who Siri is if you are an Apple person, I just sometimes tell Siri who I want to call. No, really. I just say who I want to call, and if it matches up pretty closely with who I want to call, they just call them. I don't even have to, I don't even have to depress the machinations on my screen. It is that world. You better you better be ready for it. I don't like it either. I'm I'm a legal pad guy. Are you kidding me? I'm a legal pad and 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 AM radio guy. I mean, I'm 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 whatever is uh, you know, being devoured uh, by uh, by what's happening this day and age. But it's real. So you bet we got to catch up with it, whether I like it or not. I mean, I'm even using an i I got an iPad and a laptop in front of me here. If you're looking on the socials, and that makes me about as uncomfortable as anything. But it's the world in which we live, and uh, and that's okay. All right, what to know? Uh, what to know is a 
segment here on dollars and cents when we're talking about uh, not not so much something that is applicable necessarily to everybody, but something where we are receiving a significant number of calls, a significant number of questions with regards to let's call them broad based topics when when we're talking about things financial and economic. We've talked about IRAs, we've talked about retirement account, other retirement accounts, we've talked about the kinds of things that have to do with uh, whether we're looking at uh, savings, uh, bank accounts, uh, money markets, all those good kinds of things. What we're going to be talking about in today's What to Know segment uh, are, are college savings and specifically addressing the college process, meaning how we qualify for uh, grants, for scholarships, for loan possibilities. And, and, and I'm really speaking to not only the, the, the folks, the young persons who are getting ready to go to college or who are reapplying if they're already in the college process, but I'm also speaking to the parents. And that has to do with the, the FAFSA. And if you're not uh, f- familiar with the acronym FAFSA, F-A-F-C-A, the Free Application for Federal Student Aid, lots of updates with regards to that. And you may already know these things because uh, a lot of this has been distributed publicly. We're getting a lot of questions on it. And and let me also caveat by saying, first of all, we're not federal employees. We are not ones who are ones who complete the, fed- the, the, the FAVSA form, but we address a lot of questions with regards to completing the form, what goes on the form, what doesn't go on the form, what has changed with regards to go on the form. And, and there has been a lot. I mean, it is a, it, it's a fire hose of, of things that have been changed, both in the positive and I would offer up in the not so positive with regards to what goes on the FABS reforms and how you qualify, qualify for aid. And, uh, and so there's been a lot of changes here. First big one, first big one that's sitting out there, uh, the new updated form. Boy, if you're looking for it, I understand you can't find it right now. Not going to be available until December 31st. I know it's usually available in September. I know it. And it's been uh, incredibly frustrating for so many persons who are trying to find the form so that they can complete it and get it uh, into the evaluation process so that they can get an understanding from their uh, chosen colleges and universities about what their aid package will be. It's not even out there yet. So if you are, if you've been looking for it, it's not funny. I'm chuckling because I mean, Countless. I mean, these are just the folks that I know. So uh, how many more beyond that? Thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of folks who are looking at those kinds of things and not able to find it. The new iteration of the FAVSA form is not even available until December 31st. And and here's another item. This is big. And, and I say this, it's big if you're involved in the process, right? Because this has not been a part of the process before. If you are one who is going to uh, fill out the FAFSA, basically anybody who's going to college anymore, because most colleges, whether you're going to get aid or not, require you to complete the FAFSA, the free application for federal student aid, here's, here's a big change. You actually need to have an FSA, federal student aid ID. Let me say that again. If you're one who's completing the FAFSA form, this is the new iteration. It's not even out yet. It's not even out till December 31st. So there's nothing you can do about it literally at this point as of the time of this broadcast or recording. But you need to have an FSA ID, and that's something you can address now. So you want to go to the FSA website, again, the Federal Student Aid website, FSA website, and you need to complete the online process to get an FSA ID. You're going to ask me why to have that. You're going to ask me you know, what, what, what the change has been to, none, I'm not going to be able to provide you any legitimate answer, except that you need to have it at this point. So make sure 
You go onto that website, you get your ID because you can do that before December 31st. You want to make sure that you have that so it doesn't slow down your process because it takes two to three business days. Of course, uh, it takes two to three business days after you apply for that through the FSA website to get your FSA ID. You need that FSA ID to complete the new iteration of the FAVSA form. I know if you're not involved in the college process, I apologize, but this is something that is so relevant to so many folks who are in college to parents parents of college students were getting questions on it constantly, want to make sure that you're aware of it. Make sure that you get that FSA, FSA ID now through the FSA website, and then make sure that you have that as you're ready to complete the FAVSA form, which is intended to be available. I got to say it's intended. Nothing's real until it's real. It's intended to be available here on December 31st. So it's going to be a three-month lag. It really is. I mean, this is just the bureaucratic process. It's going to be a three-month lag before you actually get some word back from your chosen institutions, colleges, universities about what your aid, pa aid package is going to be. That's kind of known. I mean, uh, just about every college and university person uh, or employee about whom or with whom, rather, I've had any conversation over the last couple of months, they're all aware. They're all aware it's, it's horrendously behind schedule. They're going to be backed up going into the first quarter of next year. They know that. So it's not going to be new to them. You're not going to be the only person is what I'm saying. Misery loves company. I guess misery does love company, I guess, at some level. But, uh, but, but just be aware that that's out there. Now, as I'm saying that, and I'm saying that relative to, uh, to connecting with your chosen colleges or universities, here's something else you can do before December 31st. And I know folks are on vacation or they're not there, not answering their email phones. I, I get all of that. But here's something else you can do. Reach out to the particular financial aid department of your chosen colleges or universities. Now, you may say, well, I haven't chosen one yet. Do you have a top two list? Do you have a top three list? Do you have a top four list? Reach out to each of them to see if there's anything in particular that they need. Because many colleges and universities, when it comes to the aid process, have a whole different selection of programs from which you can choose or for which you can apply that Yes, they're relevant to the FAVSA process, but you can begin that process even before the FAVSA has been filed. So make sure if you've got College A, College B, College C, or University A, B, C, that you reach out to their financial aid department. Literally, folks, again, if you're parents of college students, you are a college student, you're getting ready to be a college student, that's literally all they do. All day, every day, they're involved in the financial aid process. Make sure you reach out to them. Reach out to them now. I know it's the holiday season. Yes, you may get some voicemails. Yes, you may get some emails that don't get returned right away, but make sure you reach out to them so that you are aware of as much and as many as possible the different programs that are available to you in applying to their college or university. I mean, there may be things that, that are completely separate from your financial means. They may be uh, relevant to things uh, work-wise that you may be a part. They may be a part of uh, specific ethnic groups that are out there. There are all kinds of aid possibilities. Make sure you're aware of them. I mean, the worst thing, the worst place you can be, and I, and I know I get passionate about this, and I say this because it is such a huge financial burden for so many families. The worst place you can be in terms of looking at all the other possibilities is exactly where you are right now. I mean, if you get $500 over here, $1,000 over there, $1,500 over there, folks, that, that's money you don't need to spend out of your own pocket or for which you don't need to take a loan. It's a big, big deal. And I know it's hard and I know it requires work and I know it requires a, an intensive amount of due diligence, especially with the colleges for which you, uh, you're trying to apply. I get all of that. 
but literally every single nugget, every single stone that you, that you overturn, I'm going to keep using metaphors here until you're sick of hearing them because it's such a big deal. It really is. We have this conversation all the time with clients and prospective clients about how do we fund uh, college education, and especially if it's not just one child, but if it's multiple children, especially if it's happening all at the same time. It, it's hard, folks. It's, it's really hard. And I'm, I'm especially looking at you folks who are going to uh, private colleges, private colleges aren't bad, but they're more expensive, generally speaking. So even a higher hill to climb in order to be able to address those financial planning and financial investment concerns in terms of paying for room board and tuition. Well, friends, we're going to take a break here. Rapidly approaching the fourth quarter here on Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial Group. I'm Joshua Doby here on WSIC News Talk Now. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us in the fourth quarter. You're almost there. If you're a nine to fiver, 11 minutes, 35 seconds. Uh, until you get to the five o'clock hour. You're almost there. I appreciate so much you tuning us in uh, to get you across the finish line here, uh, especially when you're looking at the holiday. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but when you're looking at the holiday, it sometimes gets a little tough to spurn across the finish line. I can't disagree with you, especially when you got folks who've got extended vacations. You ever been around that? I've, I've been around those folks who've got extended vacations, right? Or they save up their sick days, they save up their vacation days, and they basically take December off. I, I know, I'm thinking of several folks right now in my head who, uh, who, who, who do that? They're not my best friends because we, we, we don't have time off here through the holidays. As a matter of fact, for us here at North Bay Financial, it's a busy time uh, through the end of the year because we've got so many calendar-specific things, whether we're talking about tax-related kinds of things, charitable kinds of things, so it's a busy time for us. So I, I guess it's envy. If I'm, re- if I'm really calling what it is, Producer Bill, it's envy. Uh, it's not because those persons are any better or worse than anybody else. I just wish I was them. Um, so that's okay. That's right. Uh, Producer Bill is with me here, and uh, and I'm here, and we're here. Appreciate so much you spending the time here on Dollars and Cents as we're sprinting towards the end. All right. If you'd like to call us in the office, 844, uh, in the studio here, excuse me, 844-STUDIO-4, 844-788-3464. That's 844-788-3464 here in the studio. We're going to be talking the markets now. You know, in the fourth quarter here, that's what we do uh, here on Dollars and Cents. And got to hit the big one off the top here. The Dow Jones Industrial Average, if, you, if you're if you one who watches the markets, I know many of you do, uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average hit an all-time record here this past week. Now, uh, I am not, and I you can hear my voice literally fading off into the sunset here as I'm saying that because we don't get too wound up on where the indexes are in terms of hitting records, not hitting records. But one of the reasons why we, we know or why I'm even saying it in this moment here on dollars and cents is because so many folks do watch it and and they they measure where they are they measure where the markets are with regards to where the mar- uh, where where the index is lying so I have to I have to say hit 37,000 here on the Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, all-time record and uh, and it hit that record uh, for the first time here meaning it established a new record for the first time here in uh, almost two years it was uh, it was the earlier part of 2022. Uh, since we hit the record uh, for uh, for the last time, and uh, and hitting it again here, so a big deal. 
big deal with regards to uh, to establishing new records. Now, uh, sometimes the subsequent question is, all right, where's the S&P 500? Where's the NASDAQ? Nope, they're not the records right now. They're anywhere between mm, 3 and 9% below their overall uh, all-time highs inside of those uh, indices. Uh, you know, as a previous listener to dollars and cents, all the indexes are computed differently. And I'm not going to get into the real deep granular end of things or the real deep grass on this, except to say that uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, if you don't know, is a price weighted index. What that means is that if the price of a singular share of stock for for the 30 companies, which are a part of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, is larger, then it's going to have a larger impact on the movement in the DGIA or the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Different than the S&P 500 index and the NASDAQ composite, which is uh, the largest 100 companies in the NASDAQ, which uh, literally almost uh, 98, I think right now, 98 of them are technology companies. So let's call it the technology index. Uh, S&P 500 and NASDAQ composite are both uh, market cap weighted. What that means is that the largest companies in terms of market capitalization are the companies which move those indices the most, so that if you are a large company, i.e. Apple, uh, which is among the top three largest companies on the planet, you are going to move the index much more than, say, that startup biotech company, which is on the back end of the NASDAQ 100. Uh, you're just not going to move it as much because you have a smaller capitalization, perhaps even in the small cap category. So when you're looking at that in terms of understanding where the market is, important to remember, I'm going to point to the S&P 500 index because it's an easy target. Uh, 500 companies, right? And you can make some arguments. Well, value, growth-oriented, small capitalization, large capitalization. Okay, I'll agree with you on all of that. Except that when you look at the movement of the index itself, uh, it's really this year, especially top 11 companies, the top 11 largest companies. And I'm going to give you about you know maybe a three count to tell me which uh, sector they're in. One. To, yeah, you're right, technology sector. Uh, so when you're looking at it, it's Apple, it's Amazon, it's Netflix, it's Google, now known as Alphabet, it's Facebook, now known as Meta, uh, who are moving the index the most there. And so you get a very skewed picture on where things are. Really what you're seeing are 11 companies. And if you take the, so I'll say it this way, you take those 11 companies out, or and you've heard me say this, if you take a look at a much lesser known uh, index, which is the equal weight S&P 500, which means every company is equally weighted in terms of computing the index, the, um, the performance this year, not nearly as rosy, is what you're seeing in the pretty standard S&P 500 index. So it's important to, to make yourself aware you don't have to use that as the only metric. You also don't have to use that as the way to compare how your portfolio is being uh, is being managed or performing. But it is important for you to be aware that that's out there. And especially important to understand how it's computed. Because we, we hear folks all the time, well, how am I doing relative to the markets? Well, uh, do you really want that answer? Or do you want to know, which is what usually folks want to know, how am I doing compared to the most popular indices that I see on my nightly business news programs? That's really what folks want to know, and I, and I appreciate that. That's, that's the world in which we live at this point. But in doing that, really what you're doing is you're comparing yourself against the 12 largest companies, relatively speaking, and most expensive companies out there. That's really what you're doing. And, uh, and so it's important. That's not right or wrong, good or bad. It's just important to be aware of that. Because uh, you know, I'll hear folks say this all the time. Well, you know, relative to the market, I'm doing fill in the blank. Great. Or I'm doing terrible relative to the overall market. Well, are you? Are you comparing yourself on an apples-to-apples comparison? And if you believe that you are, are you sure? 
because you want to make sure that the metric that you're using as your benchmark is actually an apples to apples comparison. And, and I know that's hard. I, we, we struggle with it at North Main Financial all the time because the, the metrics, the, the indices themselves are constantly changing. So as soon as we set up what we think is a blended average of, of several different indices, one or more of them change, change the constituency of the particular index. And we got to shift the whole shape, shift the whole thing all over again. And it's hard. So it's hard to do that. I, I appreciate that at a very intimate level so that we can understand how are we doing against like-kind kinds of things, the, the, the tremendously overused metaphor of apples to apples or oranges to oranges. So we, we, we work hard at North Main Financial to, uh, to make sure that that's the case, but it's hard to do. So, so I'm sharing that to say, okay, Dow Jones hit a, hit a record. Good to know. Been over a year since, uh, since the last time that, that happened. Now I'm, I'm going to give you something that's much more relevant. Well, maybe not. Well, it's it, it's it, it's relevant, but in a, maybe an anecdotal kind of way. Producer Bill, uh, this is especially important. Uh, I think you need to know this, um, and so does everybody else. That's why I'm going to be talking about it next. The cardboard indicator. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and you're wrinkling your eyebrows. I'm sure just about everybody else who's listening to the program right now is wrinkling their eyebrow. Uh, the cardboard indicator. Uh, there, there is. Mm, Okay, maybe, maybe by folks other than me, maybe not too much use of this particular metric. But there is a, there is a uh, sometimes used metric by some people. That, is, that, is, that, is that broad enough? Okay, so there's a sometimes used metric by some people that the price of cardboard is indicative of where we are in our economy right now. Meaning that, uh, and it is a one-to-one -one correlation, at least the, the, the ways that we who watch these kinds of things manipulate it. One-to-one uh, -one correlation, and that is the price of cardboard increases, so do the prospects for our economy. And the idea behind it, now, Producer Bill, you're probably not this kind of person. I hope you're not. And if you are, you don't have to admit it on air here, that, um, that I, I may or may not, not, not due to me, of course, due to other folks in my household, have a daily now collection uh, on my front doorstep of cardboard encased somethings. Now, you, now, and you, the listening audience, you probably don't have. Yeah, actually, you do. Actually, I, I'll, I'll make the assumption that you do have uh, a, if it's not daily, I hope it's not daily, but if you have a, a, let's say, a regularly occurring collection of cardboard pieces, producer Bill, I mean. Oh, you, it's daily. Oh, it's daily. See, see. I'm surprised they don't open up a shop across the street. It, it is amazing. Right. Or, or, or just have somebody that's sitting out front who's right. saying, you know, I'm just going to have somebody deliver them to me because right. I'm tired of going back to the warehouse and bringing them right back here. Exactly. Uh, kind of thing. Uh, it, it is amazing. And, and what we've, we've seen, or what, I, what I've seen, uh, so I'm not a we, I can't even uh, pull anybody else into this mania that we're talking about here, but we're starting to see from the largest paper companies. So the largest paper companies, International Paper, uh, uh, Package Company of America, those are the two largest uh, producers of corrugated paper or corrugated um, product to produce um, cardboard. Uh, we're starting to see the prices increase for the first time since the pandemic. And uh, they shot up quite a bit during the pandemic. They came down during the pandemic, the argument being because inventories have been continuously decreasing since the extreme parts of the pandemic. So as inventories have been decreasing, so has the, uh, the need for cardboard. And so the pricing has been falling. Now for the first time in, in approximately three years, we're starting to see the price of cardboard increase. Now, is that a reason to say that the economy overall is healthy? No, of course not. It's anecdotal a little bit here, but it is true. 
true for the first time in three years that we're starting to see the price of cardboard increase. So that I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's notable. It's, it's an important kind of thing to keep in mind. Is it the only factor? No, of course not. But it's important. So the cardboard indicator, keep that on your radar screen if you're not wondering. House of Cardboard. How? <laughs> I love what you did there. And I, and I know the reference that I'm you're glad making to, see it. To, <laughs> to, to the TV series as well. One of my favorites uh, there as well. Pretty close to it, House of Cards. Uh, pre- pre- pretty close. But that's one of the indicators. You know, is 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 it mean that uh, the inventory is coming down, the economy is stronger, folks are buying more? Mm, we'll see. We're going to watch it. All right. So when we're looking at those kinds of things here, it's certainly one of the things that we're keeping on our radar screen. But there are lots of things that we're keeping on our radar screen. Federal Reserve now maybe being at the end of their raising cycle. Maybe it's the time where we're going to uh, here in six to nine months start to see uh, the Fed uh, cut rates. Could be the case. We don't know yet at this point, but we're going to be watching it very closely. Well, friends, we appreciate so much you hanging with us here on Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I appreciate you. Have a great week. And until the next time, I'll look forward to talking with you soon. Happy holidays from WSIC, Statesville, W290DK Morrisville, W264CU Statesville.